Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Today in Manana. I'm Michael. This is Xavier. We're happy to have you on this beautiful fall day. I already see a lot of the leaves falling. We took a little trip to New York over the weekend, and right. I was surprised when I came back, where I looked at back, and I'm like, where did all these leaves come from? They're really yeah. starting soon, to fall. Soon now, we'll have so. that carpet of leaves. Yeah. yeah. But exactly. I need to collect those, so don't go around throwing them away. No, I never throw them away. Well, just I, case, I don't just... even want to drive over them with the lawnmower. That's too much work. <laughs> I'm like, leave them. They'll disappear. Like no, I need them. Do. I need them this year, so don't throw them oh, away. Oh, for your compost? Yeah. Yeah, he likes to compost, so he needs his... Uh, well, I need them for something else, yeah. too. So. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited because this is the time of year now. You kinda, you're kind of you ready for the leaves to start changing. They're kind of... Yeah. They're, they're the getting colors. to the yellow phase, yeah. but they haven't quite hit the orange phase, which is beautiful. That's when... Me and the boys were kind of looking at when we want to go for a hike in the Yeah, in the, the problem is that sometimes you get that rain and then wind, and before you know it, boom, they're gone. Yeah, well, that, well that that's that. what happens. Once it kind of gets orange, you have like a maybe two weeks exactly. shot to, to yeah. go like to the park and you know, Shenandoah National Park and do a nice hike and look at all the trees with the leaves yeah. because, like you said, you get one little windy day, and then they're just they're all gone. gone. They they're go gone. from yeah. orange leaves, and now they're yeah. all empty. So. I know. This is, uh, this is um, house. Um, by our neighborhood because it's beautiful I don't know if it's an, I don't know what kind of tree it is oak tree, maple, whatever but it's so funny because it's beautiful it turns all that I don't know if you remember it turns yellow and then gold mm-hmm. but then it gets when it gets windy or whatever the whole top comes off and all you see is the bottom yeah. <laughs> it looks so weird just the bottom has leaves and the top's all kind of without leaves so. yeah we, I mean we have some trees in our backyard that already lost all yeah, the leaves because the summer was so dry it was like yeah, they all ground yeah they decided yeah. that they had enough they had enough <laughs> but um, as always we are happy to present be presented by Emergent Financial Services, um, powered by Matisse Young Realty, Castle Hill Cider, Craddock Serious Insurance, and Forward Adelante, the premier Latino network- networking business group in Virginia. Wonderful. Did, did I did that right? Oh, you did that perfect, yeah. I know. I don't want to get a you know message from Olga being like, he, he did terrible on the <laughs> he didn't one. say that right. He didn't say that right. <laughs> and don't forget to share and like. Like and share. Yeah. And subscribe. And subscribe. Three things. Yeah, Three things. It. Okay. Yeah. You, you kind of fumbled a little bit at the end, but that's okay. Fumbled, but I recovered the fumble. You recovered. <laughs> there you are. You recovered your fumble. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's more than what other teams are saying right exactly. now. Right? Like, I'm not going to look UVA football. It's like terrible this year. Yeah. We're not I going to that right now. I know. A, a lot of the teams we've been rooting for are terrible this oh, year. Man. We're not even going to What a year. What yeah. a year. That's I right. Know. But uh, I don't know about you. You ready to start? Well, yes, because I'm telling you, we got really wonderful stuff here at, um, at, at our table, and I'd like to find out yeah. what it's all about. So we are happy to be joined now by Cass Cannon from Peg Salt. Cass, thank you so much for joining us Good today. morning, Xavier and Michael. Good morning. Good morning. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you started Peg Salt, and what made you kind of want to jump into that entrepreneurial side I will. of yourself. First, thanks for having me, and I'm going to dub you guys the delicious duo, because we're Whoa, talking about I like that. flavor oh. today. Cass already got us our nickname. Well, I'm going to write that there down, because I don't want to yeah, forget well, it. It sounds like you both duo. enjoy food and cooking, oh, so we definitely you're going to be well, well, excited well, about well, peg salt. We enjoy food. We enjoy the, the eating part. Yeah, the, the <laughs> exactly. Part yeah. We haven't quite mastered liking that yet. Well, it's not a matter of liking. It's just that we become such foodies, because we were blessed that my mom, his wife is such an amazing cook that we got spoiled with all this delicious food that now it's like if we even attempt to cook something it's going to taste terrible and we're going to be like i'm done with this Mama unless you cook. put unless you put peg salt well, no, that's, those, that, days those days are over those days are because over you put a pinch of pegs on anything you cook or eat and it's delicious guaranteed i'm wow. not overstating that so how did you start Peg Salt? Yeah. Um, my mother, Peg, back in the 70s in Ohio, she loved to cook. And so she would 
make food for friends and so on, and just kind of out of the blue, she mixed up a batch of seasoned salt, and she was very proud. Oh, I'm giving this to my friends, and she put it in bags and distributed it around, and when people tried it, they wanted more. So she became kind of famous among friends and friends' children when they went to college and so on. People would say, I need more of that salt because I can't (laughs) cook without it. And I was the same way, and so that went on for decades. The one thing I did do, and this is a warning to anybody who has family recipes, make them write it down. I was like, Mom, you're not going to live forever. Write it down. And after much nagging, she did. So I started giving away to friends. Same result. They were like, oh, it makes everything perfect. I put it on steak. I made scrambled eggs yesterday. My husband was like, what did you do to this meal? And so it got a really good reputation, and that kind of emboldened me because I thought maybe something that people kind of get addicted to would be worth selling. So Mm. I, in 2012, just started the company and ended up naming it Peg Salt since it was my mother's product. Wow, that's amazing. So, it's, it's funny, sorry to interrupt, it's no. funny how you, you talked about having your mom write down the recipe, because sometimes we have that with my dad's mom, my abuelita, right, as we call her. You know, we're always like, oh, we needed her to write down recipes, right? And she would do that. And then every once in a while, my mom would try to cook something from my abuelita's recipe. We're like, why isn't it the same? It's never the it's same. Never, it's I never know. the same. You know, it's but not. I mean, I'm one of the suspicious minds because other members of my other side of the family were often notorious for, they would leave a little something out. This way, it's like no one could ever make it quite that as good. That mystery spice Exactly, you know? So I sometimes a, I wonder whether my abuelita would just like leave one, one little thing out. This way, we're always like, oh, abuelita, you know, mommy tried to make the tortilla, but wasn't as good as yours. And you're like, I know, I know. Because then I'm like, wait a second, maybe she forgot to add something. This way, it's like it's never comes I, out. Yeah, and those omissions, I think when you're an intuitive cook, it's not so deliberate because measuring anything and writing it down is really hard when mm-hmm. you're there just at the stove throwing exactly. stuff and tasting it. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Exactly. So they're I like, oh, the just recipe. a pinch or a handful. Exactly. Like, That's how what much happens. is that? Like my hand, what's a pinch for you? What's a handful yeah. for you? That's here? right. And the recipe ends up being a little different, not by design. It's just the... It's an art. And that's yeah, true, because sometimes you, you'll go to people's homes, they'll, they'll cook you, let's say somebody cooks a lasagna, somebody else cooks a, a lasagna also, and you go, they're completely different, right? right. And right. it's because however they were raised or whatever they put into it, it's just different. You know, the meat sauce and how much you know how much meat sauce they put in, how much cheese they put in, how, how they yeah. cook their pasta, do they salt their pasta before they cook it or done. So all those are little details that when you begin to taste things, it changes the flavor and of the dish. And all that love that goes in. Oh, yes. You can't write that down. So. Yeah. Can't write that down. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us, because, I mean, I see, like, tons of I'll, bags I'll show you, and I'll show you what and, I have here. And I'm just um, curious as to what's in them. Okay. Here's, this is Peg Salt, the original. This is Mom's version. Um, she did not really accurately measure, so even when I got the recipe, I had to kind of rework it. Mm. But, yes, I started making that in 2012, and... My first store was um, Carriage Foods down on Barracks Road. Okay. Okay. But it's just a mix of salt and spices, large quantities of one thing. Like it's got parsley, it's got garlic, it's got black pepper, it has tarragon, it has marjoram, oregano. Wow. All that so stuff. just about everything. But the symphony of flavors and how my mother came up with it, I was never one to say, like, Mom is a genius. She was a great <laughs> cook, but she was a flavor genius. 
because it has a tendency to just point up the flavor of anything you put it on without overtaking the flavor. Mm. So that's why everything in the meal can have peg salt. Exactly. And that's why next time you gentlemen want to make anything in the kitchen, you can just confidently put, put that on there, and people will say, wow, exactly. you know what you're doing. You guys are good cooks. Mama's got competition now. Hopefully she's not watching the show because she doesn't realize what we're doing. She's that's like, right, yeah. when did well, you guys make so good? Oh, we just been practicing. That's all yeah, right. right. So, I, so that's the original. I've got pounds of peg salt. And then I came out, because it was distributed at Whole Foods, pink salt. And natural sea salt is a big deal for a lot of people. Exactly. So came out with da da. And, and where does the pink, pink salt, salt come from? Pink Himalayan salt comes Himalayan. from Pakistan. Okay. And then I used four different sea salts because all these herbs and spices are in like a suspension, so it takes something to hold together. Mm-hmm. So for better or worse, that's what I came up with. So there's Peg's pink salt. And then just recently in the past, well, like three, four years, We've got Peg's Popcorn Salt, and I would like to point oh. out, it's National Popcorn Popping Month. So is it really? really? Popcorn Salt, popcorn and popcorn our popcorn products are on sale. So what's in there? So is, is it like, like dried butter or something? No, or what's... this is Peg's Salt, ground fine, but then I also mix it with some sea salt, again, to get the flavor okay. just distributed right. Across, gotcha, gotcha. And then we have, just since it's Popcorn Popping Month, we have this very attractive popcorn kit. Oh, that wow. comes with stuff. Pegs, it has gotcha, a popper, gotcha. butter-flavored gotcha. olive oil, pegs, popcorn, salt, and little bags so you can share it with your friends, and even a jar of peg salt in there. So now, okay. that's see, very popular. Peppy salt. What is peppy salt? That's our newest creation. It just came out this month. And ah. pegs, peppy salt is peg salt with heat. So it has cayenne, oh, turmeric, okay. chili powder, paprika. And it's very red, but it's awesome for smoked meats, grilled things, taco seasonings, Spanish rice. Mm. And very proud of this because these are all now my own creations. This is just oh, so this salt. is something you came up with, not Taking not it not further. Yeah, not your mom. Okay. And it's weird because I don't have that great of sense of flavor. I don't think, but I sort of channel my mom when I'm putting these together. And then we took the salt out of peg salt. So for a salt-free seasoning, that's oh. killer good. It's not bland Pigs, or no anything. Salt. No salt. Pegs, no salt. Pegs. So that's just herbs? Just herbs, herbs and spices. But what we do at home is I use peg salt on a roast or something. But right, if you don't right. want to overdo your salt, mm-hmm. you just get this puppy and put peg salt on it. And it makes it more herby and zesty without adding sodium. Interesting. Exactly. So I guess for those people that have high blood pressure, right, right, right. they could mm-hmm. use that. So now we've got and, and everybody covered. So Everybody's people say, yeah. you know, I can't eat salt. And it's like, ta-da, now you can. <laughs> Wow. Can I ask a question? So I don't know if maybe this might be a silly question, but is there a difference in how the salts taste when you talk about the pink salt and the sea salt and then the more traditional salt? Or is it just more of people want more, something more natural? More elite chefs than I would say yes to that question, but honestly, I can't tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it's sort of the same to me. Got it. Yeah. But I do um, I want to give a shout-out since you're the I Love Seaville show. Um, my second year of business, I went to the Community Investment Collaborative's Entrepreneur oh. Network. So I was in like their second cohort class wow. years ago. But they were very helpful in um, devising your business plan, mm-hmm. articulating things, getting it down on paper, and also paved the way to get in Whole Foods Market, which was just opening here in Charlottesville back then. 
So they're still going strong and yes. helping entrepreneurs. No, I mean like we've me. had we've had oh, wow. tons, dozens of entrepreneurs from CIC come on the show. We're yeah. good friends with them. We know the people who run it. It's an amazing organization. So it's yeah, it's, it's amazing to see even you. Came yeah, I didn't realize that. years ago. I feel like the ancient crone of the entrepreneurial class because <laughs> it was it was like the second one. So you started this in 2012. Yes. Okay, and so that's when actually Whole Foods moved to the new location because mm-hmm. there used to be a, a Whole Foods by where like home good, home goods. I think that's what. Yeah, actually, home goods. That's yeah. where yeah, they used to be, yeah. and then they moved. So that's when they, they relocated. Okay. All right. Wow. wow, that's fantastic. So, how long does it take you to kind of come up with a new salt recipe? Like, how did, what was that process like? It, that's a great question. Um, to actually do it, it's probably just a few hours. Once, like the Pepe, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, I made five different things. But then you have to design packaging, and you have to think mm-hmm. about how much you're going to make at a time, and supplies because sourcing like 25 different spices. You know, spices are global, so it really right. puts you in touch with things all over the world. Like black pepper shot up because things went wrong in Indonesia for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, my parsley's from Israel, so I'm thinking maybe I better get some parsley while mm. I can. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, working out the details takes years. And that yeah. I'm, I'm just lazy. I probably don't do it as fast as I want to because we can't kick it up to R&D because that would be me. We can't <laughs> kick it up to marketing because that would be me <laughs> and all of that. So like when you're kind of like when you come up with a new, for example, the peppy salt, like how do you process like okay, this, this is when it's right, or what do you like figure out? It's like, no, it needs more spice, or it needs less spice, or it needs more cayenne, or maybe more paprika, something like that. Like, how does that work in your mind? That, that's the spooky part. That's where I feel like I'm channeling mom, because mm. she, she died got, well before the company was made or anything, so she never really saw peg salt. But I think her steady hand is out there, because people love and share it in a way that's just crazy good. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I, I really do. It's just intuitive, like listening to music, and it's, that lands right. Yes, that's right. And then I share it with friends and say, what I was going to say, you, yeah, I was about probably, to say, is yeah, it like a they, test? They like tape, run? You have yeah. well, my, and my, my um, husband and I married about a year and a half ago, and we got married in our backyard, and we made pork, chicken, and shrimp, all seasoned with peg salt, or beef, and the guests made street tacos out of everything, and everything was really peg salt seasoned, and the peppy was sort of the star of the show because that's what the meats were seasoned with. Ah. So I got a lot of validation that exactly, way, too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, I also remember we once had a gentleman here, and we were talking about you know, creating, you know, whether it be, you know, seasoning or sauces or whatever. And I asked him, I, you know, you go from creating a, a small batch to having to create large batches for sale is the ratio different once you get to the large batches or in this case because they're dry goods are they the same that's an excellent question and the answer is i don't really know (laughs) because i still hand mix every batch Uh, uh, roughly 10 to 12 pounds at a time the way mom did it because i i i think the method has a lot to do with how great it tastes and how it pulls together so i don't think you could just like bring a truckload of salt and dump everything in and stir it up, you wouldn't have peg salt. It gotcha, won't work gotcha. that so way. So these are actually all hand-mixed by you. They are. It's like wow. a symphony of discrete flavors because they go in individually. There's not really just throw it. Even though that would be efficient, um, I'm, I'm really inefficient. But 
it tastes great well, it's, every it's, time. It's a, <laughs> you love doing what you're doing. Yeah. Right? So this is um, something is that is part of you, and it's not a matter of I'm not trying to create this huge conglomerate company. I just want to be able to share this with, you know, as many people as I can. But Yeah, and it's know, grown it's, organically, which is the amazing thing is it's um, in probably about 400 stores now, maybe more. And uh-huh. I still hand mix every batch because one thing about salt is it almost lasts forever, so the shelf life's great. Exactly. And um, herbs too. I mean, once it dried, I mean that's the beauty of them. Yeah, and the churn is kind of such that I just keep going along, and it pops up. And the holidays, of course, will be really busy. Uh, I can imagine. No, I, that reminds me of a funny um, meme that I once saw about one person was buying like Himalayan salt in the store and it had ex- it's a 2,000 year old Himalayan salt as it expires you know in 2024 and the guy's like it's 2,000 years old and it's going to expire in two years <laughs> yeah, how's that happening how's that happening you know but, throw it out exactly. buy some more of my stuff yeah. that's part of the bureaucracy of food production mm-hmm. and safety issues right. and things yeah. like that but yeah. yeah we do put a three year shelf life yeah. but mom passed and there was a crock of her salt next to the stove for 12 years and whenever we'd go home see my dad we would use that crock and it was still good it yeah. still was yeah. ticking probably 12 years the flavor's probably even better who knows how intense it is yeah. now all those years yeah. and, um, absolutely yeah. you know. I mean it's like it's like leftovers food I don't know if everyone that has that Everyone wants to have certain foods that when you make it that day, Stews it tastes in good. in particular, right? And, but then if you wait like the next day, oh, yeah. as a leftover, something's like even better. And it's like, wow. I said, why did we eat this yesterday? We should have made it, <laughs> waited a day, and then eat it. I think Indian food comes off that way. The leftovers mm-hmm. always seem to have a little extra yeah. something. Yeah, that flavor becomes intense, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it gets in, in uh, absorbed into the meats or whatever, and you can just you know taste it better. Yeah, yeah that that yeah. might that could be the next idea. Do you have a peg salt with like a lot of curry, like for Indian food or anything? You know, I don't I I don't have a feel for the curry, mm-hmm. and it's so complex. I feel like other people might do it better. I did develop a pepper, and I'm very mm-hmm. proud of it. But it's it's a whole lot of work to make and oh. expensive. Mm. But the the idea is what peg salt does to salt. What could you do with pepper? So it layers flavors right. of pepper right. with different spices and things to make it more pepper like. But it's not just pepper. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's the beauty about this, right? In other words, everything's already mixed in for you. Because let, let's be honest, sometimes you want to you have some recipes where you need the marjoram and you need some dried Tar- parsley Tar- and the tarragon, and and so now you got to go out and buy all these different herbs. Sometimes you don't use it, sometimes you do, and then you run out of one, you don't have the other one, whatever. This is one way where you have everything in one little, you know, container. True. And then, boom, you know, you just apply it to whatever, you know, meats you, 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 or whatever you're cooking, and right. it's, and it's yeah. perfect. It's delicious and convenient, really, in reality. You don't have to have to worry about, like, I remember sometimes with my mom, where you don't have the most organized uh, spice chemistry. It's like, oh, get me this, this, this. I'm looking. I'm like, no, that's garlic powder. No, that's onion powder. It's like, oh, it's like I got to look through 500 different spices. But now it's like, oh, good. It's like, what do I need? Oregano, parsley, salt, perfect. This is already has it. That's right. right. And, you know, in a recipe, if you use peg salt, it just gives the salt that much more dimension. Mm -hmm. So even if you do every different spice, because I had a friend who had award-winning barbecue sauce, and he used peg salt instead of his salt. And his friends picked up on it. And they were like, we didn't think this could get any better. But what did you do? And he said, I used peg salt instead of salt. So. Wow. 
It's, now, it's for real. Now I'm even excited. Maybe yeah. we should give this to mom. I was going to hide it from her at first because I wanted to be, believe, like, yeah, we're all cooking improving. Maybe I'm we thinking should. we should buy maybe like a steak that's like a couple of days or something and just use some of the pink salt. I know. Salt I'm going to put on my steak. eggs. Well, yeah. What the heck? Yeah. Right? In the morning. It's really good on yeah. eggs. That's, that's, a, that's a good entry level. Try that peppy recipe. one on your eggs. Yeah, that's Come on. Good. Come on. In the <laughs> morning, I don't know how much spice I want. Who cares? It's the morning. You'll pep up the whole day. We'll make it next time we make picadillo. We'll put the little spice there in there. There you are. So um, it's been wonderful having you, Cass. So before we let you go, where can people find you? Um, pegsalt.com. That's P E G S S A L T. Uh, we sell on Amazon. We're on Food Lines, Local Goodness Shelves, okay. Whole Foods Markets, Foods of All Nations, Reed's Market. I'm going to overlook, oh, Mickey Tavern and the Virginia wow, shop. Wow, so the store, Mickey Tavern down there, the store, right? At the store, uh, and they cook with it. Oh, they cook with really? it, too. The wonder why the food's always so delicious. Before we try I to go there every here, year. Before I came here, I dropped off 120 pounds to wow. Mickey Tavern. Wow, All hand-mixed. Yep. How long does it wow. take you to mix, like, one pound? Well, I do 12, 12 at a time. batches 12 at a time, okay. which is roughly 120, 150. So okay. it takes an hour, hour and a half or okay. something like right. that. Wow. But, you know, I've got, got it down now. Muscle, it's all, yeah, it's all up here. It's all up so there. Oh, you're not it. writing it down. Someday you got to write it down. Yeah, I know. Well, it is that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cass, wonderful. it's been wonderful. Cass, been Thank wonderful. you so Thank much. Thank you so for coming much. On. Thanks so much. Thank you. Wow. That was great. Yeah, I, that's, I love that's hearing an entrepreneur story. I love how, like, Peg was... Peg was Cass's mom, and you yeah, know, I know, I know. She took her family recipe, and that's so many times how it starts, especially when it becomes like food related. Like it was like, oh, you know, like one person started doing making this little product, and then they shared it with their neighbors. Neighbors were like, "This is amazing! You have to make me more." So then they're like, "Okay, maybe I'll expand a little more to you know out." Like outside my neighborhood and more to like yeah. the city, and then some people say it's like, "Oh, this is amazing," and then they're like, "Maybe I can actually sell this," and then that's kind of how it gets started, right? Yeah, it's like it's like suddenly they're like, "No, I'm going to start a little business, and then I'm going to start selling them to all these stores, and then it takes off, and it's pretty great to see." Yeah, and it's courageous. Let's let's be honest. I mean, starting your own business, no matter when you do it, is there's some nervousness to it, right? Because you have a passion, you want to do it, but it's like, oh wow. I got to take care of all of this, and how do I do it? And so to see this is uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and luckily for Cass, Cass, like she said, she grew organically too. Yeah, there wasn't really a rush process, so it's like you kind of build little by little. Exactly. I think like building blocks is much better than yeah. trying to jump into something big. Like oh, I'm going to mass produce this all, and then you're trying to find a factory and workers, and That's then right. it's like exactly. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was great. It was great. That was great. And then from one great guest to another, we're, we're excited now to be joined by Molly Bosart uh, from Bread and Butter Digital Marketing. So we got the salt, and now we got the bread and butter. So this is right? That's funny. <laughs> so it's wonderful having you on. So yeah, tell, us thank a, you. tell us about yourself and how you started Bread and Butter Digital Marketing. Yeah. Um, so similar, I kind of fell into this, so to speak. Um, I was living in New York City before the pandemic, so um, pandemic came, New York shut down, I grew up here, I decided to get out of the city, (laughs) like a lot of people did, and um, I moved home, I moved in with my mother, and I was looking around at the small businesses here and seeing like their social media presence their website presence and I was kind of I just noticed that there was a gap um, and that they really needed some support 
with um, with their digital presence, and especially if you compare it to businesses, small businesses mm. in New York, I, I could really see that stark difference. Um, so I really slowly got like one client and started doing website design and then I did some social media management for them. I have a marketing background, so it was natural for me to do this. I wasn't just like... Is that what you did in the city? Yes. Okay. Um, And I also did real estate in the city, so I had done a lot of things Mm -hmm. in the city. Yeah. Um, Right before I left, I was doing real estate, so it was a a little wild to be a real estate agent and um, working for a team right before COVID hit. Yeah, and obviously it was wild. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's kind of how it started, and then it evolved into you know I took on more and more clients. It was very slow. I, I was like intentionally slow in growing my business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure which area I wanted to niche into, uh, and now I, I'm more or less focused on working with wineries and oh, helping okay. support them. That's been like a big passion of mine. I love wine. I love the wine industry. The wine industry is having a major problem in capturing a younger audience. And I think a big gap there is Mm -hmm. marketing and communicating to younger people. So that's from like 25 to even 45. That age range is just not buying um, like other generations have. Wow, and I didn't so, know that. So, yeah. some of the how are some of the ways that you help these quineries kind of reach the younger generation? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it I think is being active on social media okay. and you know portraying the correct image on social media. Um, wine can be something that's very intimidating, right? So, I think also making it less intimidating, less stuffy. Um, that's you know one way. I also, I mean, practically speaking, I engage in I do um, digital advertising, so Facebook. Mm-hmm. And Google ads for clients. And so pushing their e-commerce products on those avenues also helps. And would you say, how about like Instagram, for example? Because I understand yes. that the youth seems to gravitate more towards the quick picture or, you know, quick snapshot or whatever Instagram does. I'm not on Instagram, so I wouldn't know, <laughs> but that's yeah. what I hear. Yeah, I mean, Instagram is huge. That's kind of, uh, I have a, um art background, actually. So I went to Sotheby's Institute of Art. Um, I have an a master's in art business so I come from like a very visually minded um background that you know is focused a lot on branding and creating strong brand and visual presence so I bring that into everything that I do I mean I would say that our I hire really talented you know uh, photographers and videographers to help me create content Mm -hmm. for clients and we really lead with creating visually appealing content for clients to make them stand out and really like you know to match the quality of their wine with having a quality brand image okay because i think sometimes what you know businesses get wrong especially on instagram is um you know they're using iphone photos or like the lighting isn't great they're just not prioritizing the quality of the image and i think people associate having a you know the quality of a wine um, if the if the package and the image isn't portraying something beautiful, I think people question if the, the wine is actually valuable. Mm, interesting, interesting. interesting. That's, that's so. Do you point. also focus like on how their image looks in terms of like their logo and stuff like that? Like if someone just has a stuffy, you know, Xavier's wine, like would you be like, okay, that'll sell to- like crazy? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll, I'll see why I get drunk fast, maybe. I don't know. But for example, if like someone had just something plain like Xavier's wine, would you be like, okay, we need to elaborate the design more. We need something more appealing that young people will look at that 
not just the wine itself, but maybe how it looks, the logo itself, right. and be like, this needs to kind of appeal to younger people. It's like it's interesting. It looks like I, I actually want to drink something from that bottle. Yeah, branding is like a whole other avenue that okay. I tend to not necessarily get into with my clients. Um, it depends. That also goes into like product design as well. Okay, and I think that having those conversations, it just takes a lot of time mm-hmm. to appeal to a younger demographic. So I think. Um, I'm, I'm happy to facilitate those conversations and kind of start them off and then pull that, in the right people who are, you know, mm-hmm. doing logo design and package design and things like that. That's just not really what we specialize in. We really do focus in on the digital marketing. So that's going to mm-hmm. be social media management, content creation, uh, digital advertising. Now, I've heard some people say that, like, quantity is sometimes better than quality. Do you feel that way? Like, just more posts on social media is better than just doing one post a day? but it's nice. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I don't agree with that. Okay. <laughs> Especially, I mean, I'm thinking about Instagram. Um, I think it is important to show up. Um, however, I think people are getting inundated with information and content. And if you are not providing value, like mm-hmm. it's just noise and it's going to bother people. Right. So Personally, no. I don't think you should just post to post. I think you need to post relevant information that your people, that your audience is going to care about. Yeah, I I mean, I would tend to agree with Mm -hmm. that, right? Because one of the things that we, in today's world, we just get bombarded, right, Right. with, with, you know, ads and news. I mean, even even in today's world, I mean, sometimes I I see my wife, she's watching the YouTube on somebody cooking, whatever, and boom, there's an ad. And I'm saying, holy (laughs) cow, there's like ads on YouTube also. So it's like you just get bombarded. And all you're doing is kind of like... You know, trying to go as fast as you can and get out of these ads. Yeah. But if there's something that of high quality or good, I suspect your eye catches it. Wait a minute, what is this, right? right? As opposed to seeing the same one over and over, you just get tired of it. Right. So the name Bread and Butter Marketing, what kind of yeah. what kind of prompted that? It's funny. Um, because I'm going to be changing the name. So we're gonna be doing <laughs> a little rebrand. Um I can't tell you like it just came to me. I don't know. I mean, I was I was doing a lot of I was living at home with my mom, right? I'm like in my 30s living at home with my mother during, you know, the few months of lockdown. So if you envision, I'm like spending a lot of time in nature, a lot of time thinking, a lot of time reflecting and it just like came to me, bread and butter. Um but there is another company that does digital marketing that's called Bread and Butter. So oh, I, I I uh. they're not in Virginia. Um so there's no like legal repercussions as of now, but I definitely want to change the name because I think it's a little bit confusing. Do you have any ideas? Do you already know what you want to change it to? I do. Is it something you can share on the show? <laughs> Not yet. It's all right. You can't. Um, I'm going to keep it to myself for okay. now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really like created a new logo design or done any mm-hmm. of that quite yet. So um, we are, yeah, I'm, I'm focusing also on... Um, trying to attract different niches. Okay. So, you know, we kind of have, you know, done some work in the wine industry, as you know, but I'm interested in working with some other niches, bringing that back into play. Because when I first started, we were working with, like, every type of small business, mm-hmm. basically. Right. So, um, so yeah, a little rebrand, and then focusing in on content creation, social media management primarily, and, again, some of that digital advertising for particular clients you know with decent mm-hmm. budgets so when you're doing digital marketing for wineries because there are a lot of wineries in virginia how do you help clients differentiate 
their winery from others? I mean, that might be a tricky question, question but <laughs> if you can't answer, I understand, but... Yeah, um, I think a lot of the focus can be on, like, the people of your winery. I know that people really mm -hmm. connect to other people, right? So I think about some of my clients. That's a good point. Um, and so bringing their, like, their patrons come and they feel connected to the people who are serving their wine, mm -hmm. right? Especially you think about their wine club members. They really love the winemaker. Like, they love the wine story. So it's beyond just like the wine. It's they're connected to the people. So I think showcasing your people is definitely very helpful mm -hmm. um, in, in differentiating yourself because that is, you know, part of what makes you different. Um, yeah. No, that, that's a good answer. Yeah, because I always think about that, like different wineries, but I think, yeah, emphasizing their story, how they built the business, that's always interesting. And I think sometimes people can connect to that. Yeah. Sort of like, this is how I started my winery. This is how I make the wine. This is my process. This is who we are. I think that can be very attractive when you kind of like, where do I want to go? Because sometimes you feel like... There's so I've, many options. There's so many options. Yeah, yeah, and I think also just being aware of what, what does make you different, right? Some of my clients, so... Um, one in particular is in Northern Virginia, and they are a reservation-only system, right? So it's a little bit more of like a um, elevated experience. There are no dogs there. There are no children there. Mm. So it really does like elevate the experience. And so trying to create that same, um, I guess, vibe, for lack of a better word, on digital to communicate that message is something that we help you know, our clients do. Prior to working with us, they were just posting, well, very infrequently, and it was like low-quality um, content. Right, right. Now, when you talk to the wineries, do they have in mind a target, um, you know, not, not necessarily audience, but a target customer that they'd like to either, you know, brand to? You know, in other words, maybe there are those that say, yeah, I want the 55 and over, or those that say, yeah, I want the 25 to 45, or, or do they say, no, I want them all, but I mean, <laughs> is, there a, is there a sense that their, their labels and their wine and their experience really are focusing towards a particular, you know, audience? Um, that's a great question. I think it really depends on the customer. I think that they have a pretty, so my clients, it depends on, on them, but I think they all have a pretty good understanding of who's actually currently purchasing their wine. And usually they do have an idea of like, they either want more of that population, okay. right? Or they, they want a closer you know, they, they, they gen I mean, they want to grow. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. Everybody they want to expand. Grow, right? they we, we, expand. we already captured this. How do yeah. we now capture this particular group of people that we like to make sure that they start tasting our wine? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's got to be difficult. I mean, cause you know, for me, obviously wine is, you know, it's a tasting experience, right? It's not, it's visual. The labels sometimes do catch my attention, right? But more than anything else is I'll buy a bottle because I want to taste it and then see whether I like it or not. If I mm -hmm. like it, then I continue to buy it. That must be hard, though, in, in, you know, in, in any advertising to, like, mm -hmm. you, know, how does, you know, how does it taste? But rather it's, like, attracting people to say, yeah, that looks, that looks good either visually or by what they've shown me, whether they was compared with food in the picture or whatever. Yeah, I think I'd like to try that, right? Yeah, um 
there's this woman and I'm forgetting her name right now who I follow on Instagram who's amazing and she's actually a consumer psychologist and she goes into your choices are probably very um, subconscious on how you're choosing what wines you would like to purchase so a lot of it has to do with label design a lot of it has to do with just you know in the store how the store is set up Um, and yeah and also like your personal experience with particular varietals or particular wine regions of course, yes. right yeah. so like those are going to influence your decisions on how you purchase and what you purchase yeah. and then um yeah yeah so it is really interesting i think there's a lot of um psychology that goes into those those like just <laughs> dis- buying decisions right um anyway do you do you help wineries design their label no. I don't. I'm not a graphic designer, okay. so I don't do that. But I'm. I'm. You I mean, know. do you help in, in in any way and saying if you want to capture this audience, you might want to think of this or that. I, I definitely get involved in those conversations with my clients. So um, we have, you know, we have some of that. However, that's a bigger process, yeah, yeah. and it's a bigger conversation. So it's not typically, and it takes a lot of time, right? So like changing a label design or um, even releasing new wines, you know, it just, it takes a very, very long time to do all of that. So um, it's definitely something that we, you know, I I talk to my clients about often. Um, And even down to like the types of wine that young people are consuming is different from the types of wine that older people are consuming. So younger people tend to consume um, easier drinking white wines. Okay. Versus, you know, older people are generally gravitating toward, like, bigger, bolder reds. That's a generalization, so I don't want any... I was about to say, I don't remember. Well, and, yeah. That describes me for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's like that's kind of what we're seeing. Also, younger people are interested in more unique varietals. So mm. we're seeing that that's definitely different from like previous, you know, younger people. I mean, I'm saying millennials. We're not necessarily young. It's like people in their 30s, um, and other generations really used wine as kind of a status indicator. So they would go for, um, you know, the more elite. Right. Status driven, mm-hmm. like the Bordeaux and um, things of that that nature, the Burgundies, and now you're seeing younger people are just curious and they want to try unique wines. You know, they're they're interested in trying wines from Portugal, and Portugal has like a million native varietals, and so it's just really interesting. Um, there's a big difference there, and I think Virginia has something where they can appeal to that audience because Virginia is is really like focusing in on a couple of grapes that are unique to Virginia. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean actually that's even better, right? Because when you think about it, you know, every region has its own terrain, its own climate. Right. And so there's some grapes that may grow better here than somewhere else and vice versa. So to try to grow, you know, what makes a good Bordeaux here and you go, eh, it's not quite working. <laughs> yeah. Then why bother, right? Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, one thing I, what I've noticed, I, I don't want to get into wines, of course, because it's, <laughs> no, it's all okay. digital. Yeah, it's, it's all right. right. I love wines, so we I, can talk about it. But I noticed that <laughs> there's a lot more rosés that I've ever seen in the past. I mean, yeah. when I was growing up, rosé was, you hardly even saw rosé, and, yeah. and nobody even drank rosé because it was like, what's a rosé? It's not white, it's not red, it can't be any of those. It's both. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. But now, there's just so much, mm-hmm. and maybe that is also gravitating more to the younger, you know. Um, Definitely. Folks. It's, okay. it's yeah, it's more, I mean, 
pluggable, I suppose you could say. It's an easier drinking wine. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of times too, like rosé is an afterthought. And I think more and more people are realizing it shouldn't be an afterthought. Let's like prioritize this, right? Like let's focus in on um, creating good rosé instead of it just being like, ah, we'll do it <laughs> with our leftover grapes. Yeah, whatever, I was just you know? we got leftover, let's yeah. make a rosé. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so you've mentioned your love of wine. Um, is that really kind of what prompted you to kind of, did you search out wines? Yeah, your niche into wines? Like, did that prompt you to kind of reach out to wineries about marketing? Or was it just something that you realized a lot of wineries were coming to you about marketing? And you're like, well, I love wine. I love wineries. Let me just kind of focus on this part of my business. Yeah, no, I mean, it was definitely driven by my passion and love for wine. Um, I worked at a tasting room years ago, pouring wine, and kind of fell in love with it then. I also studied abroad in Italy, and we just... Wow. Um, in Florence, and... Jealous. Yeah. It was <laughs> double, a long time, but it yeah. was great. It was amazing. And so we were drinking wine, you know, I was 19, studying abroad, drinking, like, literally, they had water bottles. We would fill up water bottles with wine. Um I like they that. Have, I love like, it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And it was two euros or one euro f- to fill up. So um, that's kind of where I started drinking wine. That was all red wines. Um, and and I, my father is a chef, so I have this, like, foodie um, background. So I think food and wine are, like, perfect, perfectly married and a perfect pair. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, it's just been... A, a love affair with wine and, and learning about, I'm also a traveler. So wine is so much about place and I think it's really fun and it connects me to a physical place. When I get a, a bottle of wine from, you know, Sardinia, um, I can like envision myself in Sardinia, Sardinia right? Yeah. Like drinking Vermentino in Sardinia. And I like, you know, it's this whole, it's, it's a whole experience. No, that's true. That's what we always love about wine. We always try to find different places, different yeah. wines, and we're kind of like pairing it with the food. Mm-hmm. And my brother Nick is like very strict about like, no, 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 you can't drink that wine with that food, right? It's like, oh, it's red. It's like, no, 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 you got to get like a Brunello or something like that. Okay, all right. Oh, that's funny. Well, I mean, there are some some rules, but it's not, it's, you can be a little flexible with yeah. Uh, yeah. the food and wine pairing. I know, I know, but yeah. sometimes you kind of want Well, what he likes is if, if the food comes from a region, region in, for example, Italy, then he feels like you should find the yeah. one from that region because obviously that's, that probably that probably matches true, really yeah. well. If you're having yeah. a Tuscan pasta dish, he's like, well, get a Chianti Classico because <laughs> that's from Tuscany, so you want to kind of yeah. pair that with it. So I, I mean, and, the, and then it's fun because it becomes more of an experience of mm-hmm. like Absolutely. this place yeah. and its yeah. culture. It's almost yeah. like almost like a kind of game puzzle. It's like, okay, if you have this food, what wine do you kind of <laughs> pair with it? It's like, oh, now I get excited. Like, okay, now you can figure out which wine you want to pair with it. So. Totally. Yeah. So um, before we let you go, Molly, um, where can people find you? So I am online at Bread and Butter um, Digital Marketing dot com. It's very very long, but I'm sure it's going to be linked wherever we are. Yep. And I will be rebranding, um, but I should switch everything over and just get yeah. a redirect. Is, the is there an Instagram people can follow that this way they know when you kind of change your name they're yep. like up to date on? Uh, yeah, it's Bread and Butter. Bread and Butter on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And same for Facebook? Yeah, I think it's bread and butter. Actually, I might need to check on that. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's right. Online afterwards, but you know, actually, we'll post you know, all the I, You can follow me because I post a lot of stuff on okay. my personal account. So it's Molly Bassard, which is pretty okay. easy to find. Okay. That's Got it. Easy. Yeah. Perfect. Well, when you, when you rebrand, you have to come back and tell us what, exactly, what it is. Yeah. I know. We'll do like, we'll have a reveal show maybe, right? Yeah. <laughs> Before you fun. announce it, we'll be like, you know, we'll do the drum roll and we'll have like, the fireworks go off. And we'll have some wine. Yes. That, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's a good idea. 
idea. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 never, we'll never complain about that. I'm yeah, pretty sure we may or may not have drank on the show before. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you guys. No, thank, thank you, you so much, much for coming I appreciate on, it. It's yeah, been Thank you for coming. That was thank great. Thank you. Yeah. So before we get on, I mean, I, actually, it was my job to keep an eye on my phone, and, and Nicholas has been uh, oh, sending been me. You? Yeah, because I a lot text of me. Yeah. No, because he knows that you're in charge of. Uh, it, it, it was my job to look at my phone. So he said, "Peg, he's, this is Nicholas. Peg sent samples to us, and I cooked with them this weekend and shared with my personal page. The delicious samples. Johnny Ornales liked and shared. Scott Foster was watching. The peppy salt was delicious. He said." Milt McChesney was watching also. Kevin Higgins, shout out from Greenwood and Peck's biggest fans. So there were a lot of fans. A lot and I guess of fans of once, once Nicholas realized I wasn't uh, Did Nicholas I wasn't paid. share this food with his father and his brother? No. No, no, but he shared with his lovely wife, I'm, I'm sure. I'm going to have to he actually could have shared, ask. He could have shared with us too. I mean, yeah, see, I mean what are we, chopped liver over here? <laughs> Obviously, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was good. I, you know, it's it's really interesting. But but, you know, every time we have guests, right, and entrepreneurs, one of the things is, you know, we always talk about the passion, mm-hmm. you know, and you saw Peg with her salts and the passion, the fact that she does it all by herself and she hand mixes every single one, mm-hmm. right? And then Molly, and then you can see, you know, Molly obviously enjoys wine, and so she yeah. gravitates. Well, she to, was working in marketing. She liked marketing. Yeah. Then suddenly it's like, I like wine, and this winery is in drugs. Exactly. And it's like exactly. all the dots connect. The dots connect, and it's perfect. And, and then it, it makes your job that much more enjoyable because mm-hmm. you're doing something that you truly enjoy, you're good at, but you also enjoy what you're now promoting, right? Because mm-hmm. I suspect she gets to taste some of the wines at the places that she promotes like oh this is really good now yeah. i can take this picture well, i even realized molly had the wine background in Tuscany. i know it's incredible. i can't believe two euros filling up all at once i know one or two yeah. yeah i know and that's well let's face it. remember you can drink at 18 i remember when yeah. we took they have the same rule in canada yeah or was it yeah but i was also i was young when i was under 21 when we once went to austria and it was like Wow, I can order beers, and they're just like no ID. No ID, they, they don't ask. One liter beers, like oh, I like this. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's face it, when we go to Italy, we, I mean, a lot of times in some places, just you just order the house the, wine. The house wine, one is cheap and it's delicious. It's delicious, yeah. And it's like you know, it's, it's incredible. I know. You know we could talk about wine all day. All day. Might need like one day just to today on a wine show. The wine show. Like we just bring all our favorite wines. <laughs> oh, but it's been great, great having you, pops. No, it's been today. good. I mean, like I said, it was um, kind of we we were thrown upon this, but I you know and listen, I always enjoy enjoy doing the today mañana show. It's yeah. um, you know it's I don't get I don't do any of the work. I mean, Nicholas does all the work, and then you have to you just, lead, or yeah, Alex is lead. Yeah, you just do the talking. I just, and I just the, say a couple of things here and exactly there, and then get to, to enjoy the salt or the wine or whatever. Well, we on get the to table. enjoy the wonderful guests that come Absolutely. here. Absolutely, that's, 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 that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. You know, all yeah. these entrepreneurs in Charlottesville, and you know, some connected to CIC. Yeah. You know, I also love seeing you know, like Molly, how she started after the pandemic. I I see that all the time. Yeah. People like I just kind of like sat there during pandemic, reevaluated my life, and said. I'm starting my own business, you know? and then they just they just took off, and, yeah. and that's great to see. I think we need more of that in this city and even in this country. Yeah. You know, well, it was good for her also to have that experience in New York City because I mean, let's face it, New York City—it's an experience, no matter yeah. how you slice yeah, it up. Yeah, it's just you know, life there is is on a fast lane, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's just 
going a thousand miles unless you're an hour, unless you're you know? on the traffic then it's a slow lane yeah that's different yeah that's a little different but but that's yeah. it's just it's just i mean i remember my life in new york city it was just you get out of the bus you're just walking you're walking fast here walking fast there i know you know everything is just everyone's walking up. fast it's like yeah yeah you just gotta you know, wherever you're going you gotta get there to see it never sleeps right yeah, true. Well, yeah. it sleeps now, I think. It sleeps now, and, and, and our viewers, <laughs> sure our viewers are going to be going to sleep soon as the show is out, because we're getting ready to close. <laughs> but um, before I do close, I always have to thank our sponsors. So as always, we are presented by Emerger Financial Services, and we're powered by Craddock Serious Insurance, Castle Hill Cider, Matisse Young Realty, and, of course, Ford Adelante, the premier Latino business networking group here in Charlottesville. Um, I'm Michael. Exactly. Well, you have somebody coming next week. Oh, yes. I, thank God you reminded me. Yeah. Uh, so next week, what you can look forward to is we're going to be uh, joined by Meredith McCrate from Create Without Bonds. Um, I think she's another branding website um, entrepreneur. So, I believe so. So that should be exciting. There's a lot of marketing, branding. And I think that's one of the well, beauties about the Internet, too, is that it's allowed all these people to kind of like – Different marketing people have their different niches. Like Molly can, does a lot of marketing for wineries, and other people sometimes like to do marketing for like you know other different types of small businesses. Yeah, and I think that's really nice. It's like the internet allows that possibility because it's the internet is so vast. Like there's always a different area where you could be marketing that you may not be thinking. Facebook, Instagram, and, and it allows creative people really to shine, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, in the old days, I mean, we were talking um, to to Peg a little bit about. I mean, to Cass a little bit about this. I call it Peg because I see Pegs. I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to Cass. But you only this. made that mistake once. So I was impressed. I thought. I thought the whole time. Well, I'm going like, to make that mistake forever, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she won't mind. Um, but anyway, either way, so she was talking about marketing, right? How in the old days you had the brochures and everything, and I, and I remember, you know, working and you know the marketing people come in and they talk to you and they try to come up with the right brochure or whatever. But to a certain respect, it was limited because you know there's only so many brochures you can create with the internet. I mean, if you are, have a creative, you know, mind and 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 um, ability to you know develop or you know make pictures or put words together, whatever it is that you do on the internet these days. <laughs> it's so, like you said, it's so vast that, that somebody may have really like a niche. It's like, wow, I, you know, I can do great things for, you know, pharmaceuticals or for, you know, beauty care or for wine or for salt or whatever. And, and so the creativity shows up. And so, you know, that's one nice thing about the internet is that if, if you have that creative, those creative juices and you, mm-hmm. and you have that marketing background, you know, I think you can do yes. a you know, good job. Neither of which we have, but that's okay. <laughs> well, that's what I do what I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give me some numbers, you know, and I'm good at it. Well, as always, thank you, Xavier, for joining thank you, me. Michael. Big thank you to the I Love Sevo for always hosting us. Jerry, uh, for having us here. Judah, for making us look good. Liza, for always being the happiest one to see us. <laughs> <laughs> always. And sure. uh, also, always thank you to the viewers who watch us and, you know, for your comments and your likes and And thank you to everyone. And to close the show, as Alex always likes to say, um, hasta mañana.